Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats Podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazor. And we won our state championship. Only yeah. time that I'm going to get to say that in a outside of a cup. Co- well, no, 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 it's still in a college context. I've been saying it for a couple years now, but. You know, just not in a high school. Yeah. <laughs> it did. Ha- it did actually happen to be on state championship Saturday for high school as well. So indeed, it, indeed, kind of funny how it worked out like that. Yeah, it is. But K State ended up beating some irrelevant nobody brand. I think their logo is like a blue background with like a red underscore or something. I don't know. They they're they're pretty trash. So I don't I don't bother learning irrelevant trashy franchises names, but. In, in, in all seriousness, KU fit. We ended up beating the University of Kansas, forty-seven to twenty-seven. Uh, KU fans mauling in the mentions as usual because they are quite literally made of soy, and that's all they will ever be is a collection of soy. <laughs> I, this may be mean. I don't care. <laughs> but the most important part about all of this is not me being mean specifically to number 32 on the sidelines because he really thought he was doing something. But the fact that this secured our birth to Arlington for the big 12 championship in a rematch with the Texas Christian Horn frogs. But that's what this game meant in the macro sense. Let's talk specifically about the game with the general game day recap. Connor, these are, all pretty short, sweet. So you can let's, you can take all three, then we can expand upon the three of them as it goes. Yep. So basically, it was a little rainy. It was a little cold, but it was really manageable. It wasn't to the degree of raininess that it was like for the Mizzou game. So my was, hat was still heavy, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it rained kind of hard for a little while in the second quarter, but. For the most part, it was not too bad and kind of cleared up in the second half. So it, it was fine. And the I I didn't feel the cold too much. Um but yeah, the first half was um a little concerning, it was a little bit closer. Um the f- defense hadn't really shown up yet, but the second half was really, really great performance, which has kind of starting to become a pattern with this team. It really seems like K-State is a second half team in football, especially defensively. Uh kind of the antithesis of the basketball team right now, which is for the most part, been a first half team, but not always. Um, but they they really had a fantastic uh, second half um, uh, as a as a unit. Uh, the defense really stepped up in the second half when they needed to, because um, KU it felt like at times they were getting whatever they wanted, but they only had a hundred yards in the second half, and on that point, seventy five of those came on one drive. So. It, and it was like an eight minute drive. And other than that, they had uh, all three and outs past their third touchdown drive at the beginning of the second quarter. They had three and outs every single possession or turnovers uh, other than their one touchdown drive in the third quarter. So defense really stepped up uh, after that third touchdown for KU. But um, so they they did a great job past that first half and offense was consistent throughout uh the whole game as they have been uh under will howard uh or with will howard under center i should say yeah and I, I, the second half adjustments for the defense have been the entire story of these last couple of games 
except for the Baylor game where they were dominant the entire time and the Okie State game. But the the second half defense has been ridiculous. So that's a big credit to Klanderman. Obviously, you'd want to start out with that level of defense, but it's better to adjust and win the second half than it is to always win the first. And the offense has just been consistent throughout both halves because, you know, Colin Klein's done. This is a first year coordinator, by the way. <laughs> that's that's the most insane part about this is that it's a first year offensive coordinator. But that's for the the offseason episode, which will come in a month and a half or so, depending on on bowl game. But. Let's start. Let's go into the stats. I'll take the offensive stats this week. Starting off with passing, Will Howard was 11 for 21, 213 yards, two touchdowns. He was sacked twice, including a strip sack. In terms of rushing, Deuce Vaughn was 25 for 147, long of 32, averaging 5.9 per touch with a touchdown. DJ Giddens was reminded that he is a very good running back, got nine carries, 44 yards, a touchdown. Malik had three rushes for 38 yards, two touchdowns. Both were the two that really stick out were two jet sweeps. Then Will was four for a net of two, but a long of six on what was really like a, a patented, like old school Messingham play call for him, where it was that jet veer option which I never thought we would see again. <laughs> but, hey, we saw it again and it worked. It picked us up the first down. But maybe try and bowl over that that, that safety, Will. You weigh like 250. <laughs> you you are basically, you weigh as much, as much as like a Cam Newton. So <laughs> Yeah, that, that was a moment where it, it was a little funny to watch him try and like juke out the uh, uh linebacker i was like will you're you've never been that guy and you definitely aren't now so that's not that's not your game buddy but in terms of receiving the leader in yards was deuce vaughn two for 82 including an 80 yard screen pass sammy wheeler was one for 42 on a broken play that made will howard look like patrick mahomes <laughs> uh one yeah, Philip Brooks, two for 38, one touchdown. Could have been a second touchdown, but he couldn't hang on to what was an absolutely immaculate throw to the back of the end zone. Probably the, the most accurate incompletion of Will Howard's career. Um, and it's not even because it was a drop. It's just because that's such a ridiculous throw and catch. It has to be made by both sides. But Cade Warner, two for 22, long of 13. Benson had a catch, two for 11. Malik, two for 10. And DJ Giddens had one for eight. So it was a, you you listen to those numbers and you're like, well, that's, that's a fine offensive performance, you know, 213 yards passing, 242 rushing. That puts you at 450, which is, that's nothing to sneeze at. That's actually quite good. But, you know, you, it really does come down to the second half and the defense, which you have the defensive stats. Yep. So leading the way defensively was Drake Cheatham. He had 10 tackles, nine of them solo, and then also a forced fumble. Uh, so he had a fantastic performance. Uh, and he actually left very briefly, admittedly, uh, with a what appeared to be some sort of like hand or wrist injury. But it was right at the end of a quarter and he came back uh, for the beginning of the next quarter. So he he was really great. 
the next uh, true freshman VJ Payne had eight tackles and w- he looked really good. I thought it was a far cry from the West Virginia game where he looked a little lost at times, like he was over pursuing at times. And he still had a couple moments like that in this game uh, that like he allowed, I think one big run uh, but just because he crashed a little bit too hard. I think it might've been the Jalen Daniels, like 25 it, yard gain. That it was, was like the Jalen Daniels uh, Y lead option. Or I That's think that right. was F, F lead option. Who's yeah, like fullback. But... I don't think that was a 25 yard game because that was a scramble. So, uh, but it was still a good game for Jalen Daniels. Um, but yeah, VJ Payne, as a true freshman, looked really, really good. He's taken some big strides this year and he had a lot of snaps too. So that was impressive. Austin Moore had eight tackles and a tackle for loss. He's, again, he's continued to be a really solid part of the, uh, the defense. Josh Hayes had a bit of a bounce back game. He had six tackles and didn't give up any deep touchdowns in the defensive back room as a whole to not give up any deep touchdowns, which we figured they would get one at least, but they did not. Uh, so Josh Hayes uh, has a nice bounce back game. Uh, Julius Brents had four tackles and a pass breakup. Um, and he, he again, played a really good game. He, didn't really give up any big completions or anything. Clay Duke had three tackles and a tackle for loss and another pass breakup as well. And then he also had a QB hurry or yeah, that's a QB hurry. Then green had two tackles and two QB hurries. I can't tell if QH is QB hurry or hit. Uh, it could be either. Honestly, I think it's hurries, but Felix and DK Uzama had two tackles. Uh, one of them was a tackle for loss and a QB hurry. Echo had a tackle and a fumble recovery. He recovered the muffed, punt uh right at the beginning of the game uh so he uh came up big early uh really helped cause that uh or was a big part of that first touchdown jay clifton had a tackle brendan mott had a tackle christian moore had a tackle somehow uh, kt leviston kt leviston had a tackle as well i think on the will howard uh strip sack uh which unfortunately was kt love's fault uh, Eli Huggins had a tackle, Jalen Pickle had a tackle, and then Nate Malik had a sack where he tripped up Jalen Daniels from behind on the run. Um, and then a few other players get listed, but they're all offensive. Uh, so uh, defense really, really stepped up late in the game. I also want to talk about Ty Zentner because, wow, he had an absolutely fantastic day punting the ball. Uh, he had three punts. Just just three, but he had 188 yards, 62.7 average, a long of 72, which is allegedly, according to Robert Minish on Twitter, uh, the longest punt in K-State history. Two punts inside the 20. One was a touchback just barely, and every punt he had was 50-plus. Uh, and one of those punts uh, that he had inside the 20, uh, you could argue, was the reason that... Uh, um, OJ Burroughs for KU muffed the punt uh, because he was having to run backwards and was clearly uncomfortable and trying to run backwards and come to a quick stop and catch the ball in the rain. He wasn't ready for it and that may have caused a muff punt. And then the other time it caused a safety. So you can argue that Ty Zentner basically set up nine points for K State in the first quarter uh, with his leg. I'm just he saying asked, that I'm not. I'm not joking. I'm spoiling this now. Ty Zentner was my defensive MVP. Well, I was going to do that, but I won't anymore. <laughs> wow. um, it, it's fine. It's fine because uh, I, I will simply pick someone else. Um, Philip Brooks, um, he had that one punt return, but didn't really get anything. Lee Knowles had a nice day returning. He had a 69-yard return at one point. Very nice. 
Uh, Ty Zentner made a field goal at one point. He had eight kickoffs, four of them were touchbacks. Um, and he was perfect on PATs. So yeah, Ty Zentner just been an absolute machine this year. Just wanted to single him out because we normally don't talk about the uh, special teams stats, but I mean, Ty Zentner does deserve a major, major shout out because he had an unbelievable day punting the football. I mean, when when it's noticeable, when the job the punter does is noticeable, that they really did have a fantastic day. And it, it takes a lot for you to notice how good of a day a punter has. So really, really great stuff uh, from Ty Zender. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, he was he was my pick for defensive MVP. <laughs> Just because like the point swing that he was almost single-handedly responsible for. It was big momentum, but now we can go into the game day grade segment where we take a look at every single position group in and coordinators, giving them a grade from F to A plus F meaning they near single-handedly lost us the game, A plus meaning they near single-handedly won us the game or had a perfect performance. Starting off with the man under center, that is Will Howard, the quarterback. This is one of those games that really he didn't have to do that much <laughs> he especially in the second half i think he may have attempted two passes in the second half just because that that's we just decided to run the ball and that's like there's no problem with that that's good i'm glad but when he was in the game he was generally pretty good he was good at extending plays which you know i if you would have told me that will howard one of his elite traits last year would be reading the field and also extending plays when need be I think I would have believed the first one and I would have called you crazy for saying the second one, but he's actually gotten really good at extending plays. The reason I only ended up giving him a B plus, which yeah, my grade was a B plus was just because he didn't have to do that much. You know, he don't get me wrong. He was put in some high leverage situations, but he wasn't, I, I feel like this is a game that the quarterback kind of took a backseat to the rest of the team, which there's nothing wrong with that. But B plus was the grade I ended up giving for Will. I went with an A minus, which is probably a little bit generous, especially considering that uh, we did not complete a pass in the second half. Granted, he only attempted four, so it it wasn't as though he had many opportunities and there was a drop by Philip Brooks at one point. So, but I mean, he had a great game when we needed him to throw the ball. I mean, when, when there were high leverage situations, which uh, there, there weren't a ton. Uh, he made something happen like third and longs. Uh, he was converting. I know we had a big like third and like 10 or 12 or something to Ben Sennett. Um, and a, I think a couple other third downs. We've been fantastic on third down since Will Howard has uh, uh, taken uh, taken the field. Yeah. Uh, we were as a team, I believe, yeah, seven of thirteen uh, on third down, one of one on fourth. So really, really, really great stuff there. Um, and then Will was sacked twice. Unfortunately, one of them was a strip sack. Um, but yeah, I don't really put the strip sack on him. KT Levison just got absolutely decimated off the line so i i don't put that on will he that's on kt for not giving him more time um but will did have a solid game uh wasn't asked to do a ton and i i think 
you could make a, I, th- I think Ace may have a better grade with B plus. I was a little bit generous just because I thought he mismanaged the game exactly for what we needed and probably could have done a lot more if we had needed him to, but he really, especially in the second half, we figured it's, it's rainy. We're not going to take shots and we don't need to. And we just kind of ran the ball down their throats in the second half, which is something that it feels like we've struggled with a little bit at times. Uh, but yeah, a minus for Will Howard. He had a really nice day. Yeah. Next up is the running backs. And after what the, one of the few times in the season that they did not get an A, in fact, one of two times last week was when they did not receive at least an A. Deuce Vaughn was right back to, wait, no, no, it's only happened once. Didn't happen last week. But, <laughs> and Deuce was back to his normal self. Weaving through lines, not trying to dance a little bit too much. He was right back to his usual self. That's an A-plus performance because Deuce is Deuce. Every single game that Deuce is himself, you can pretty much pencil in an A-plus performance alone. But then DJ stepped in, iced the last drop. He may just get plus 99 to every attribute within like the last, like on the last drive to seal away a game. Cause he just refuses to be told no. He refuses to be taken down. <laughs> he even did, he did so with power. He did so with a nasty spin move that you and I were talking in the middle of. And I caught in the corner of my eye and I said, Excuse me. <laughs> and it's, the running back room is amazing and it's, it's not that's that, that steps on the toes of later, but the running back room is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They, I give him an a plus two. Deuce Vaughn did have a really great game and he had 147 yards with a long of 32. So it wasn't like one huge, like 80 yard carry that got him like over the hump. Uh, he was, especially in the second half, getting very consistently very good carries, and he had a a really nice day. And uh, he also had his two catches for eighty two yards. Granted, eighty of those came on one catch. Um, and the other catch was, I think, the uh, first drive of the game on a checkdown where he just couldn't quite get to the first down marker. Um, but Deuce was fantastic. And then yeah, DJ, uh, he's he's been the closer as a running back when we need a guy to come in and just lower his shoulder and get the four yards ish a carry. We just throw in DJ Giddens and he just takes off and has a, a a fantastic game. Um, He, he was really good. He's really been coming to his own. Uh, The last uh, two drives, um, it was mostly DJ Giddens. Um, Deuce Vaughn had some carries on the second to last drive, but we switched to DJ uh, once we got into the red zone. Uh, and he had a few carries, and from then on, it was all DJ Giddens. Uh, like, like last drive chart is like DJ 11 yards, DJ 3 yards, DJ 4 yards, DJ 5 yards, DJ 9 yards, and then a knee. So uh, just throw in DJ at the end of the game when you just need to get out of town. And he was really, really great. So an A plus for me. Yeah. Next up is wide receivers. And I know that we didn't say Will had to do a whole lot. If it weren't for one thing that I'm going to mention in five seconds, they would have gotten the exact same grade as Will because they 
were good in run blocking. And, and you know it's desperate. It's slim pickings whenever you're mentioning the wide receivers run blocking. <laughs> but, you know, they ended up getting an A-, minus, which is one tick above the quarterbacks. And that is because of Malik Knowles' two rushing touchdowns. You know, Malik Knowles running back one, I guess. But in all seriousness, Malik on jet sweeps is – it's deadly. It is – it's so, which is so strange because as a screen target, I think he's just good. But on jet sweeps, he turns into just like the best jet sweep receiver in the country. <laughs> but I ended up giving the receivers an A minus. Would have bumped them up to an A plus near single handedly if Phil caught that pass in the back of the end zone. Not because, you know, it was particularly meaningful, but because, wow, that would have been an awesome catch and an awesome toe drag. But yeah, A minus. I gave them an A minus as well. I almost gave them a B because I forgot about Malik having the two touchdowns for some yeah. reason. <laughs> but I mean, he had a great day. Uh, he only had three carries, but he had two touchdowns, and he had a long of twenty nine. And that twenty nine yard carry was not a touchdown, so he he was really great. Which is it's interesting that we chose this game uh, for Malik to really get back to running it with him because he only had two carries on the season um, prior to this game. Uh, the one long carry against South Dakota on the first play of the year, then there's one other carry he had at some point. Um, but Malik, he had a really good day running the ball. Um, and then, yeah, all the receivers, they uh, the starters, they had two catches apiece and varied in yardage. Malik had a a really great snag on a slant uh, where he uh, took a really big hit at the end and held on. Uh, and then, yeah, Phillip had a uh, touchdown reception on a really nice throw on out route from uh, Will Howard. He's looked very comfortable throwing out routes. Uh, it's really been the one consistent thing throughout his career, I feel like, is uh, that he generally throws a good out. Um, and then, um, yeah, they... Like you said, honestly, they were pretty good run blocking. Uh, going back, trying to think. Uh, I think the 29-yard run by Malik, if I'm remembering correctly, that had uh, some really nice downfield blocking as well. Um, not only by the receivers, but I remember Deuce Vaughn had a pretty good block there too. But yeah, they got an A- for me. Even if they didn't put up a ton of yardage in the receiving game, they still did a lot to contribute to the victory. Yeah. Next up, tight ends, fullbacks. Other than the Sammy Wheeler catch, they didn't do much. Ben Sennett had one catch. Sammy Wheeler had the big touchdown grab. They were fine in the running game. I ended up giving them a B minus just because they were fine. I gave them a B. Uh, yeah, Sammy had that um, catch where he was just left wide open and could have quite literally walked into the end zone. Uh, ben Sennett had a big catch on a third down and long-ish. It was like third and 10, I think. So it was it was third and long. But that, that was nice. And then Ben had a really nice block on the Deuce Vaughn touchdown uh, at the goal line, which was a pitch. Uh, so he did a nice job there. Um, but other than that, they weren't super noticeable um, for most of the game. Uh, there were a couple times where Benson, it looked like he was maybe breaking open, but for whatever reason, the ball either went somewhere else or there was a sack or something like that. Um, but yeah, they, they had a solid game. Uh, wasn't spectacular 
but they did they did decent. Yep. Next up is offensive line. First half performance wasn't great. Second half performance much much better. Pass blocking was somewhat consistent the entire time. They were able to work with Will and give them an out, give him an out and pass protection, which I still think is the most underrated part of pass protection that no one talks about. Because you can have an objectively mid line, but if there's always at least one escape route, you have an amazing line. But the run blocking in the first half was not good at all. It was very, very rough. Second half, we really put it together. To me, it balances out to a B. Just because pass block, eh, KT, that KT one honestly probably cost them a grade. The KT strip sack, because that was that was bad. That was real bad. But yeah, I ended up giving the O-line a B. I gave them a B plus. Uh, yeah, they definitely had a rough first half, but they had a, a really fantastic second half. I felt like Will had a lot of time, the like four times that he had to throw the ball. And <laughs> then other than that, uh, running the ball, we were just extremely successful in the second half. And uh, down the stretch, it seemed like they got better while KU's defensive line performed worse as things went on. So they deserve a tip of the cap there. Also, Tremaine Carroll, the strength and conditioning coach, deserves a tip of the cap there because we were able to stick around and uh, remain uh, conditioned for longer. So a B-plus to the offensive line for improving as we went. Yep. Now to the defensive side of the ball, starting with the defensive line. Other than the Nate Matlick sack, which was more of a contained sack where Matlick just caught up to Jalen Daniels, it you could say, oh, well, they didn't they didn't do all that much. I think what we ended up with 15, 14 or 15 pressures. Yeah, it was 15 pressures. Which is on 15 pressures on 32 dropbacks. That's almost a 50% pressure rate. That's very, very good. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. You'd want to see more of those converted to sacks. That's my biggest complaint. But it's not like we weren't getting pressure. The The biggest knock I think you could have against the defensive line was that a couple of times they, they just kind of got moved around a little too much in the running game. I ended up, I'm going to change my grade from what I said earlier because I just thought about the pressure rate, but... <laughs> I ended up giving them an A minus because, yeah, they didn't convert many sacks, but they were doing just enough to make Jalen Daniels uncomfortable. And you could tell, by the way, that Jalen Daniels was not comfortable. <laughs> but yeah. A minus. Yeah, I'll probably up my grade a little bit too to B plus, um, just because yeah, that pressure rate is a little bit higher than I uh, anticipated. Um, granted four of those were credited to Daniel green, but that's still 11 that are left to Lyman or almost Lyman, like Khalid Duke. So I'll not, I'll count them as a Lyman for this purpose. Um, but they, they did have a good day. Um, they struggled a bit in the first half. Um, but they really did buckle down in the second half, uh, and stayed in their fits a little bit better. And but again, like the, the rest of the team, they really played a lot better, uh, in the second half. Uh, so I give them a B plus for that. Um, wish the Felix could have come away with a sack. He got close uh, a couple times and had a moment where I don't know if he, I don't think he actually got credit for it. 
Um, but I thought he had a tackle for loss. He did. He did get a tackle for loss. Um, you know, somebody else cleaned up his mess. Um, uh, but he uh um had a good game. Uh and there the sacks haven't been um as prevalent. Uh we haven't been getting to the quarterback as much uh the last few weeks sans Brendan Mott last week. Uh but uh, they they're still getting pressure. Um, but part of that's just gonna be general wear and tear as the season goes on. Uh, but I don't know. They they had an all around pretty solid day. Would have liked to see a little bit more against a not very good defense. You do have to give credit to I think it was Brendan Mott for forcing the hold that got us the safety mm-hmm. uh, in the first quarter as well. So B plus. Yep. Next up are the linebacker the linebackers. I gave them an A, and it's not just because of the pressures by Daniel Green. Daniel Green was definitely the enforcer. <laughs> Daniel Green. Was definitely the enforcer today, but Austin Moore was back to his you know midseason self after a little bit of a tiny hiccup against West Virginia. He was back to his normal self. Khalid Duke had himself a pretty good game coming off the edge and even dropping into coverage on occasion. Linebacking room had a great day. They were consistently getting to their fits, getting to their line mark landmarks, and they didn't miss too many tackles. So. You know, I ended up too many tackles. They still had their misses, but they didn't. It, it's not an absurd amount. I ended up giving them an A. I gave the linebackers a B plus. I felt like they had a solid day. Uh, Daniel Green did a nice job getting pressure. Uh, Khalid Duke did a pretty decent job. And Desmond Purnell was solid as well. Tackling was a little bit spotty at times, but again, that's been kind of just a defense wide issue. Um, at times this year, so it isn't you know just the linebackers. Um, but they they had a solid day. I don't have a ton of notes about them, honestly. They were just they were they were pretty good. Um, but you know, not absolutely fantastic. Um, but I yeah, so I, I guess I just don't have a lot to add with them. Um, so a B plus uh for the linebackers. Next up is defensive backs, and for as much as we were worried about the safety depth, that turns out wasn't that big an issue. I ended up giving them an A. Echo had an amazing day. And like pretty much every single ding that you could have against, or the ones that stick out to most that you could have against the DB room is not their fault. Echo getting called for a PI on an underthrown ball probably shouldn't have been thrown. Julius, that flag was picked up. Josh Hayes giving up that big catch to Grimm was off of a push-off, which he knew, but the refs didn't notice, which Honestly, it's one of those subtle push-offs that the refs aren't going to notice and they can't really throw the f- the flag after the fact. So <laughs> I it just kind of sucks. The only complaint that I had was the fact that the DBs, specifically the safeties, didn't whenever they saw Mason Fairchild lining up in a pass eligible set, they they didn't say like, "All right, well, here comes the ball up the seam." Because that's the only way Mason Fairchild is going to catch a football <laughs> is if it's up the same. And he did get a few catches. So, and one of those I think was Drake being a touch late on the ball. Could have had a pick if he was maybe a half second faster to the to his spot. But honestly, that's such a nitpick. I ended up just giving them an A. Yeah, I gave them an A as well. Uh, I thought that we did a much better job containing the explosiveness of the Kansas offense than I anticipated. Um, some of that was Jalen Daniels just didn't look right for most of the game. Like he, 
it should have been Jason Bean probably starting this game. I it is beyond me why Lance Leipold played Jalen Daniels for most of the game when he was especially later just missing some throws, which granted they wouldn't have changed much or anything in the outcome, but he was not helping uh, at the very least. He was doing well mobility wise, um, but he he probably shouldn't have been playing. But the defensive backs did a really nice job. Yeah, Luke Grimm had the 33-yard catch, but yeah, like like I said, it was a pretty blatant push-off. I mean, how else did he get that much space between him and the defensive back on that In play? like a half second. Yes, yeah, especially in the amount of time. Uh, and yeah, the Fairchild uh, lived in the seam. I mean, he just like, get up the seam and just stop. And that was it. Uh, they, he didn't do much else. Um, but other than that, nobody really burned us particularly badly. Uh, I, I I was really pleased with the defensive backs. BJ Payne uh, was a pleasant surprise with how well he played, and um, I I I was a little bit worried when Cheatham uh, got injured, but he only missed two snaps uh, in the entire game, uh, so not not worried at all about that. And uh, just all around, they they played a really nice day. Josh Hayes um, had a nice comeback game uh, after his struggles against West Virginia. Uh, and we did see Max Marsh for two plays uh, at one point. I think it was the third or fourth quarter when he was in. He didn't do anything at all. He just played center field. And for some reason, KU did not attack him at all. So and then he went they, knew, they knew that he was about to Ross Elder them. So they didn't, they didn't want to deal with it. He was about to have a one game Ross Elder arc. Uh, so, but yeah, it was a, a really great performance from the defensive back. So they get an A. Yeah. Moving on to the coordinators, Colin Klein. Yeah, he gets an A. Why doesn't he get an A plus? Because he didn't really have to be that creative in the second half. <laughs> he just ran. All right, run duo, run inside zone, run inside, run power. I don't, I don't care. Just run something. Will you can take over? I'm gonna go get a coffee. <laughs> I'm gonna go get some peach cobbler. I'm gonna go have fun. I it, Klein didn't have to put on this insane you know, offensive guru, insanely creative hat. He did everything that he needed to, and he had a good feel for what was working and what didn't. And that's worthy of an A. And again, the only reason he's not getting an A plus is because he didn't, you have to do something exceptional to get an A plus. And while he called an excellent game, he didn't have to do anything spectacular. Yeah, I gave him an A as well. Um, he did have some nice play calls. Uh, one in particular that I really liked was when we brought on two extra offensive linemen. We brought on Carver Willis and Andrew Langang. And then we motioned Langang into the backfield. Uh, and we had Christian Moore in the backfield as well for a two fullback set. And then after all of that, we just pitched it to the opposite direction. And it worked perfectly. It's that, it's that halfback, it's that fullback fake halfback toss play that never works in NCAA 14 but worked perfectly in this situation so yeah I, I really liked uh what he was going for there kind of taking uh a, maybe a bit of a page out of KU's book uh and not necessarily to the degree that they do but in, in regards of making them look elsewhere uh and just setting up this expectation and then just doing a little bit of misdirection uh which KU does do really really well offensively um but other than that uh we generally had a really great game and Colin Klein realized that uh, 
even though in the first half they really stacked the box against us, they probably adjust because they were getting gashed in the past game and they adjusted and we took advantage and only threw four passes in the second half, didn't complete any of them. And it did not matter at all because we were the better team and we just ran the ball at will uh, for the rest of the game and won fairly easily uh, when it was all said and done, I'd say. It was a two possession game for pretty much the entire game past the first quarter. So even if it was like nine points, it was still two possessions. Um, Things started to feel a lot better as we went. But yeah, Colin Klein had a good feel for the game and did a really nice job. Yep. Now it's for the Clandy man, Joe Klanderman. I, this one's another complex grade just because the, the first half was so frustrating because to to be frank, Klanderman was just straight getting out schemed. He was getting out schemed, which granted, I think that has happened to pretty much every single team that has faced KU this year, except maybe Texas. But then again, you could argue that, you know, Texas just out athleted them. So who cares? But the second half truly was amazing. I ended up giving it balanced out to me to a B plus. And, you know, it is one of those performances that if the first half, if it was maybe half as good as the second half, this would have been an easy A plus. It just the first half was so frustrating and made the game feel a lot closer than it really probably should have been. But I it balanced out to a B plus for me. I gave him an A minus. Um, yeah, we started off really poorly, save for the safety because we forced uh, that that safety. But other than that, in the first four drives, we gave up uh, three touchdown drives of seventy five yards. Um, after that, KU had seven more drives and got one touchdown out of it, and they got one hundred and nine yards uh, or one hundred and ten yards out of uh, those remaining drives uh, total. Um, so it, it was really, 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 really great stuff from Joe Klanerman from the second drive of the second quarter to the end of the game. Uh, we only gave up six points uh, for the rest of the day. And that that was really fantastic stuff from from Joe Klanerman and adjusting. And uh, I mean, and all of those drives that, didn't, that they didn't really do anything on, those are all three and outs with the exception of a, their fumble which was still a three play drive and then the touchdown drive uh, that they had in the third quarter, which kind of spilled over into the fourth, uh, which was the product of just some really good scheming from KU and some really uh, creative play design stuff that you and I have joked about ACE, which was putting two quarterbacks on the field at the same time, which they did multiple times with Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean there. They like handed the ball off to Bean uh, from Daniels and then had him throw a pass. We, uh, we've been joking about that all year and they actually did it and it came and it, and it worked. Like they got like a first down out of it. So it was a 12 yard pass. It was. And you know, I, I, I have to respect them for that because that, that was pretty great play design. And yeah. it is credit what it where is. it's due. Credit where yeah. it's due. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do get credit for that. And, and we knew that that's what we would need to expect from them. Uh, going into the game was that their offense would be nothing if not very creative and take advantage of opportunities. And uh, they uh, use Jason Bean in creative ways that they haven't really done the rest of this year, as I recall, Um, at least not from what I've seen. They may have done that a little bit, Um, but 
they yeah joe Klanerman gets an a minus for his ability to adjust and adjust uh fairly quickly quicker than i recall uh at least because uh only uh four touchdown drives and three of them uh happened in the first uh 20 minutes so good stuff from joe Klanerman. yep so that's game day grades. Now we can move into MVPs. Most who would have guessed we're naming most valuable players in the MVP section. Offense. I feel like there is an objective answer again, and I think the objective answer is Deuce. Yeah, no question. Deuce was fantastic, and what was probably probably his last, last game, home game at K State. So. If you were there, I hope that you soaked it in and appreciated it. After the game, Deuce Vaughn came over to the student section and uh, was uh, saying something. We couldn't hear it over the cheers. And he uh, uh, was uh, trying to pump up the crowd. This was after the game, but also like seemed like he was like being thankful in a way. It looked like uh, saying goodbye because he kind of blew a kiss towards the crowd yeah. as well. It, it, it felt like goodbye from Deuce Vaughn. And which is very, very sad uh, to think about. But he uh, yeah, he had a fantastic game. I mean, the screen pass was uh, a vintage case. It made me think of the uh, 03 title game uh, to Darren Sproles. The only difference is that Sproles scored. Legend says he's still running to this day. Legend has it. <laughs> and uh um, the, I, I guess also the scheme was a little bit different because that was a middle screen. The whole offensive line is out there. Uh, but for us in this game, it was just a couple guys. And uh, uh, yeah, Deuce was really fantastic. This was one of his best performances of the year. Uh, and so he hopefully hasn't saved uh, the best for that game because we've got two more to go. Uh, but uh, I'm hoping to see some even greater stuff from Deuce going forward. Yep. Defensive MVP, I already spoiled mine. Mine's Ty Zentner. If you made, if you put a gun to my head and then said I couldn't pick Ty Zentner, I'd probably end up going with Austin Moore. No, no, I'd go with Daniel Green. Because Green's, you know, he was that enforcer. He did get a lot of pressures. He, I, I do think that he was making Jalen Daniels a little bit nervous because he, he remembers last year. <laughs> but I... I'm going to stick with Legatron as my pick. Nothing wrong with that pick uh, whatsoever. I will pick Drake Cheatham for mine uh, because he had 10 tackles, so he led the team there. And then he also forced a fumble, uh, which was the first um, first time in four drives that K-State ended up with a touchdown. And because that fumble drive, K-State scored. Um, after um, driving a little bit. So uh, that was a, a big key uh, shift in momentum there. Um, and he also had to fight through um, some sort of injury for the fourth quarter. At the very least, it was an injury to the point where he had to come off the field for a play or two. It was probably Although, a stinger in his shoulder. Yeah, I think you're probably right because they had a video of him post game and he didn't really look like he had any issues at all so maybe it was a hand thing but i mean even if it was a hand thing we saw reggie play with a, a literal club on his hand for most of the year last year so i'm not worried at all about drake cheatham uh, and his health uh so 
he he had a really great game. Although yeah, Legatron is also a fantastic pick and a really niche pick, picking the punter uh, there. Because I mean, he you truly can argue uh, that he almost responsible for the first nine points of of the game for K State with the fantastic punt to start, and then the next punt uh, that um, pinned KU down at their own like four or something like that. Really, really, really great day for Ty Zender. I think his shortest punt was like 56 yards or something like that, which is just ludicrous, especially in the rain when it was like 40 degrees. I mean, uh, that that's just really, really, really good stuff on yeah. top of managing kickoffs, field goals, and extra points. So hat tip to Ty Zender. Even though he's not my MVP, I'm giving him credit. Yeah. Next up is the final segment, which is the takeaways from the game. First things first, we mentioned it before. Our second half adjustments continue to be excellent on the defensive side of the ball. It's gotten to a point to where the story to look ahead a little bit, because we can do that now. The <laughs> the TCU game, one of the stories that we really wanted to watch was the second half adjustments of TCU, because they've been a pretty good second half team the entire year. And I feel like at that point, our second half adjustments were somewhat lacking. But the script has been flipped from that game to where we've been insanely good at second half adjustments. Even in the Texas game when we lost our second, it was not because of the defense in the second half. Our defense in the second half was insanely good. But, you know, it's just... That, that's all that really needs to be said is it TCU will be a matchup of I'm not going to say don't watch the first half because obviously that's important, but it, it's going to be a second half game. See who adjusts better. And I'll just say, no, I'll save that for the very end. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a, a good point to make. Um, Bill Snyder's best teams at K-State had fantastic second half adjustments, and those are always second half teams. Uh, and this team has done a pretty good job at that, um, especially as the season has gone on uh, in making their second half adjustments. So I, I, it's definitely been noticed um, the last few difficult games um, where we we've had to adjust for the second half and kind of switch things up. The the offense and defense have been able to figure it out uh, and do a lot better job. Yep. So the next takeaway, uh, Will was not asked to do much, uh, but he did still have some pretty great moments. Uh, and I, I mean, obviously, yeah, we, we, we talked about that to an extent, um, but yeah, he, there was not a lot of difficulty for Will in this game. He was averaging like 10 yards per, per uh, attempt, um, passing attempt, I think. And then like 20 yards per completion or something like that. Um, at this point, the offense is probably approaching uh, four and a half points per drive uh, with Will. I don't think they're there. They're somewhere between four and four and a half points per drive with Will under center, which was like 4.28 or something. I that, that actually sounds about right because uh, I can't find where I saw that number. And so, I, but I, I couldn't I couldn't figure I couldn't find it. And I knew the number was around there, but uh this offense with Will under center has been one of the most effective in the country. 
Um, I, I think that 4.29 number would be best in the country. Um, K-State has finished the season, I think, with the best points per drive in the conference. Um, overall, I, in conference play, I think 3.21. So that's including the Will Howard and Adrian Martinez games. So uh, really, really, really impressive stuff from Will Howard to have, to have such an effective offense. Um, but what do you have to say about that, Ace? All I have to say is I'm I'm just so happy for Will. I have we mention it every single week at this point, but it, it's just so it's so encouraging, and it makes me so happy because there I there's not a single player on that roster that I wanted to succeed more after last year than Will Howard, and here he is proving everyone wrong. And it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, he deserves it so much. I, I'm so happy uh, that he has been able to put together such a fantastic um, back half of the year. Um, and now he's going to have a chance to go on one last revenge tour this year against TCU and try and finish the job. I mean, obviously, biggest game of the year now. So uh, it's. It, this is going to be Will's biggest moment and hopefully the culmination of a, a season of hard work and ups and downs for him. Yeah. Next up, Deuce, Deuce Vaughn is a, is a treasure. And whenever he leaves, he will be sorely, sorely missed. And it's not just from an on the field perspective. It's how much he embraces the fans and how much he truly loves K-State. It is not Deuce Vaughn is the type of player that, he is going to drop by the university whenever he possibly can, just because of how much he loves this place. And, you know, him being a running back, I, I'm i not mad at him. If he decide, if he does this, you know, we're going to say all this, he decides to come back or something. But, you know, if he, if he does decide to go to the draft due to how running back careers go, I don't blame him. I'm not going to vilify someone who's put their heart and soul into this program and has become a fan favorite because of his ability and how much he's made it abundantly clear that he loves this university. He loves the fans. And again, you know, reading, probably reading way too much into it. I really do think him blowing that kiss to the student section was in a way him saying goodbye for his last home game at Bill Snyder family stadium. Which is the like it's a it's a storybook ending if you're gonna pick a home game, but obviously there's still work to do. But Deuce is a treasure. Yeah, there no question about it. He uh, is gonna go down as one of the greatest to ever put on a K State uniform. Obviously, and if he was staying for another year, he would have a shot, a long shot at uh, records like like some all time records, but. Uh, the the shot would be there. I don't think he's staying another year. He hasn't announced anything, and there there's not any insider info there. It's just a it, it's just a pretty strong feeling, especially with running backs uh, in today's age. You know, he, there there's a a pretty short clock uh, that you get in the NFL, and making it for him already is going to be such a long shot. So, might as well give it a chance now and see what happens. Um. I am going to miss him a lot. I'm happy that DJ Giddens has gotten some experience this year. 
because uh, I think he has some great potential as well. Um, if you go back and uh, uh, look um, at Deuce Vaughn's freshman year rushing statistics, he had 642 yards. DJ Giddens isn't, isn't quite there. He's got 422 uh, on the season, uh, but he, he is still having a really nice year. Um, for a freshman touchdown numbers are roughly comparable. And then again, Deuce was the lead back his freshman year. DJ is having to uh, take the table scraps from Deuce Vaughn in terms of carries and be the spell guy. So it's uh, um, DJ hopefully uh, will, will come up big next year, but Deuce this year, I hope that I do hope that people treasured the last game and watching him get some breakaway runs at Bill Snyder stadium or Bill Snyder family stadium for what will probably be the last time. Uh, never say never, I guess, but I'm not holding my breath for mm-hmm. who's sticking around. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next we did touch on this a little bit. Uh, the safeties did look pretty good uh, in this game. There was the missed, the missed push off uh, against uh, Josh Hayes uh, for a 30 plus yard gain. Um, but beyond that, they didn't really give up much at all. There was one play. It was like a fourth down. KU ran like this play. They run on fourth down constantly, which is like a play action seam ball to Jared Casey. Uh, but it was a throw behind. It wouldn't have been a touchdown because VJ Payne was closing in, but it would have been a big first down. Um, but they didn't they didn't convert that. But other than that, I can't really think of any major lapses for the safeties, which was is really impressive for a group that was playing more snaps than they normally do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw TJ Smith a little bit, but really not a lot. I can only remember one snap specifically. He played five. Um, and they were all run defense. And I, I don't really remember anything about uh what he did on those plays. Um, uh, but uh at the very least, he wasn't noticeable which is good. Uh, Generally on defense, if you aren't noticeable, you're at the very least blending in and uh, not being an active liability. Yep. Then second to last is DJ Giddens reminded us he's a really good back. I I know it's become an in-joke at this point to where he he just needs to be reminded and then he just starts believing it. What is he doing? He's starting to believe. And then he... (laughs) just activates insano mode where he becomes just the best player on the field. (laughs) But Giddens really is that good second running back. And he is going to be an excellent first running back next year. I honestly thinking about the running back room next year, even if we don't have deuce, it's still going to be DJ Giddens. And then, you know, Tony Frias for the big spell power back. I think Joe Jackson gets legitimate snaps as a true freshman, but it's going to be a good room next year. And DJ is going to be a big part of it. Yeah. Um, DJ did have a few truly fantastic carries um, late down the stretch, Uh, like the touchdown run um, that he had. He just lowered his shoulder and just ran straight through a safety uh, and carried them to the end zone. He had a few plays, uh, specifically where he was uh doing stuff like that uh like uh i think it was like an 11 yard first down carry pretty late as well uh he carried uh ku safety uh pretty far if you go down the line uh on the last drive basically every tackle that was made 
of him was a safety. So that means he's getting to the second level really quick. Uh, so he uh, really was great down the stretch. I, I talked about this a little bit already, but yeah, he there. There's a lot to like with DJ Giddens and losing Deuce Vaughn, which again I'm assuming happens. Uh, it's gonna hurt because uh, he is irreplaceable. He's special, but DJ Giddens can at the very least soften the blow pretty significantly because I I do think he has the potential to be a really special running back. Uh, I think we both do. Uh, we we've been singing his praises for a bit now. Uh, and he's it's seeming like these last this last half of the season he's really starting to put it together, uh, which that that's big for next year if that's what happens. Yep. Yeah, and that takes us to the last takeaway, which is that this team is absolutely worthy of its spot in the Big Twelve championship game. I I think that they've proven that uh, they've had one head scratching loss and then two frustrating ones, um, but. At the end of the day, they've only lost to good teams, but they've played really, really well down the stretch. Um, and I, I'm i really looking forward to this uh, rematch with TCU because, as we know, it's very difficult to beat a team twice. So I, there, there's a lot riding on this game. It, it's going to end up being maybe the most impactful uh, playoff or um, conference championship race uh, this uh, uh, this upcoming weekend. Uh, there's a reason that game day is going to be there. Uh, there's a reason that they're sending uh, Chris Fowler and Kirk Curb Street to commentate it the for the ESPN A team of commentators. So it at 11 a.m. on next Saturday, all eyes are going to be on the Big 12 title game. So it it is going to be big. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was I was going to say. It's it's insanely difficult to beat a team twice. Because, and it's especially difficult to beat a team twice whenever a substantial part of it was injuries that they did, the other team didn't have time to prepare for. Don't get me wrong. Us losing the first time was not exclusively because of injury. It played a big part of it, but it was not exclusively because of injury. But this is probably one of the first times that even having faced an opponent before this is one of the few times that i'm genuinely very nervous not because you know not because i don't think both teams are on equal footing i do think that i i truly believe that if you were to run this game through a simulation a hundred times tcu may win 51 K state's going to win 49 of those, but I it's, it's a toss up game. And I think that is what makes this conference championship probably the most interesting to watch out of all of the other conference championships, maybe with the exception of Utah USC, but that has big blowout potential. No matter who wins this game and no matter what happens in the big 12 championship, it's going to be a dog fight. It's going yeah. to be an absolute 12 round boxing match. Both guys are having their trainers tap them on the back of the head so they can convince the refs that they can see. It's going to be a knockdown drag out street fight in this game down in Arlington. Yeah. And this is one of the times that 
it's a 50 50 it's a coin flip but i'll take a coin flip every single time if on one side of the coin is glory i honestly fully agree um i was thinking about this while you were talking earlier in your statement and then you said basically exactly what i was thinking of uh, in the second half which was that this game is basically a pick em. if you want to do it like uh, in terms of like a betting line, I think K State TCU on a neutral field is truly a pick 'em. And throw it to TCU at home, it's probably a seven point margin for them. Throw it to K State at home, it's probably a seven point margin for them. So I I think this is a fantastic matchup for the Big 12 title. And I'm not going to sit here and act like K State's going to run away with this game because that is just not what's going to happen here. This is, it, there's a honestly pretty good shot that it could end up being a shootout. Because TCU has a very dynamic offense, and this game will probably be decided by who hits 41st. And um, unless the defense is really locked down, and then still, even then, it'll probably be first to 30. So it's going to be a huge game. And as we learned from the first time facing TCU, you cannot be comfortable with any margin if you're K State. You you cannot, under any circumstances, let up uh, on offense. You have to bury TCU completely. And especially if it's still in the first half, like you need to treat it like it's Oklahoma state first half. Like you need to be up by like 35 and a half and then you need to keep going in the third quarter. So, uh, that, and even then that, that wouldn't be the sort of thing that even is something that enters the mind of Chris Klein. I don't think like this will, it'll be back and forth the whole way, but will Howard under center with a lot of preparation with how he's performed the last few, uh, games and, and, and all of his starts, you have to feel pretty confident in uh, how he'll perform against TCU because TCU this year, that was his first performance and he started out really, really well. And they got and hurt. Was, yeah. And yeah, got hurt. And then he was just inches away from a Cade Warner touchdown. We had two missed field goals and also the defense just got straight up outplayed uh, in the second half. So there's that as well. So there's a, a lot to unpack going into this which we'll do more of that in the preview so i don't want to get too far into it but it's a huge game it's the biggest k-state football game in years so it a lot rides on on this game uh at least in terms of the national landscape and the perception for k-state and then just just the opportunity to add another year to that big 12 champions uh section of the press box because right now it just says oh three and twelve and so you'd want nothing more than to add a 22 to that. And then regardless, Casey is probably going to the Sugar Bowl uh, from what we can tell. I mean, because if you Every win... Every single projection has a Sugar Bowl. Yeah, it, there's pretty much no question to it at this point. Uh, so Casey probably ends up in the Sugar Bowl, probably playing Bama at this point. Um, I don't want which, Bama. I don't want Bama. <laughs> We'll unpack that later. <laughs> for now, the 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 game in front of us is the Big 12 title in Arlington. Um, if you can go, go. I can't. I can't uh, either. I have finals that exist, sadly. I absolutely would. Otherwise, I, I would be down there immediately. Um, but it it is going to be huge, and I'm very excited for it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it, honestly. But there's nothing else to say that it, it doesn't belong in the in the preview episode, which look forward to that because it'll be a it'll be a little bit different from our normal scouting reports. Because if you want 
if you want the scouting report, just go back and listen to the episode that we did going into the game because nothing about that team has changed. They're they're the exact same team. They're pretty much exactly who we thought we were. They were the the preview episode. We'll be doing a little something different. I'm not going to spoil it here because you know I actually want people to listen to this episode, but <laughs> it's going to be different. But that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdwards00. I am at Connor Balthazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where you can find such designs as the staff approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>